Welcome, everyone. It's another moment, another time for Res V and the interview series that I sort of created <laughs> a month or so back. And I've been extremely lucky to have some really great people jump in, and that streak continues. Coach Reslow here, and now I have Dave DeJesus. Dave is an accomplished coach at Cumberland High School and also works for South County Volleyball Club as well. Lucky to have him. Welcome, Dave. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I thought you said the streak was going to end. No, no. The streak continues. I mean, we (laughs) have another good coach on, another person that loves volleyball, wants to talk about the situation, wants to talk about how they do business. I think it's great. So I'm, I'm really stoked to have you again. Really welcome to the show. And uh, what's what's new with you, man? What you been up to? Not much. Getting close to uh, the summer. So finishing up club season will be done in about three. We got three weeks in a row of uh, tournaments coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after that, getting ready for the summer stuff for South County. Yeah, you're you're year round. You never stop. huh? You're always. <laughs> I go from high school season directly the club season and then i run the summer stuff for south county so it's there's not much of a break in between <laughs> you gotta love the game to be going year-round because i tell you you know as a, co- a former college coach like we were year-round too in a way you know you would have your season then you would have your recruiting period and then after yeah. the recruiting period you had your your off season and then you're back into regular season and if you don't love the game, if you don't love what you're doing, that grinds on you real fast. <laughs> like it starts to yeah. wear you down. Well, there's like little blocks in between that you got to like take certain kind of breaks or change it up a little bit where you kind of sure. get to like like it again. Yeah. Yeah. I think th- I think that's a very helpful truth is that you have to keep reinventing all of your stuff so that it remains interesting for you. Because if you just same old, same old for eight years, 10 years, 15 years, next thing you know, you, you hate everything <laughs> and you don't want to be in that situation. So you Definitely have to keep not. reinventing. All right. Let's start with your background, man. Talk to me about how you got into the game. So my background's kind of like a weird background. So uh, I played soccer growing up and that was like my main sport and played a little bit of basketball too. But, um, you know, going into my junior prom, I go with this girl to prom at Hendrickon. Um, she did not go to Hendrickon at the time, but I was the one who went to Hendrickon. Um, and she goes, hey, I'm going to this volleyball camp in North Kingstown. She's from North Kingstown. I'm from North Kingstown. And I said, oh, my God, me too. That's so great. Hey, mom, can you sign me up for this camp? And she ended up <laughs> signing me up for the camp like right after that. Um, you know, so I, I went to North Kingstown volleyball camp going into my senior year and you know, I met this coach. This is a really tall guy, glasses. He was like in his mid-20s at the time. He could dunk a basketball and a volleyball effortlessly. You know what I mean? Like he was, you know, his name was Scott Reslow. I don't know if you've heard of the guy. He's, yeah. a, he's a bum is what he is. <laughs> he, he's a fantastic coach because it only took me one day to be on his court and I got moved up because of his coaching and tutelage. So, Oh, stop it. Stop it. He probably got moved up because I didn't want to deal with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can be a pain at times, which you know a lot of people will agree with. Um, but it was weird. My senior year of high school, they had changed the girls and boys seasons for volleyball. So boys were always in the fall when I started, you know, uh high school and right. I played soccer. So like soccer was my main sport. I didn't even know what volleyball was. My sister, who's a couple years younger than me, played volleyball. She played at North Kingstown High School herself um and won a championship in two thousand seven or six, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, I like this at camp. 
you know, went to the high school and, you know, uh, the AD, Jamal Gomes, who wasn't the AD at the time, kind of talked to Harry, Mike Harrington about it. And then I went there and won a state championship on a team that was loaded to where I could be the sixth or seventh option and not have to worry about anything. That sounds like a beautiful thing, man. <laughs> and then go off into the sunset. <laughs> but that sort of created your love for the game, huh? I mean, you you, you did yep. the camp and then you got on the team and then you had instant success. And I'm sure there was a grind in there for you as you had to mm-hmm. make the conversion. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that that's where it all started. And, and, and from there, did you always stay with the game? Because you go to college next. So, so my best friends from Hendricken were Steve uh, Fuller, Eddie Delson, Yorin, uh, Kevin McDonald, and they were, they're my three best friends. And we, you know, during that summer after we were done our high school season, we just played, played every day, played twos outside on the grass nets and all that stuff too. Eddie had a net, so we were able to go play. And I just kept playing and playing and playing. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Mike Harrington always had tournaments grass right. tournaments in the summer so we always would play in those i know you've played in a few of those in the past too um but just continuing to want to play kind of you know kept me motivated and learning the game because i started learning it at 18 you know 17 18 years old but just kept loving it and it was actually like you know a few years ago probably like six or seven years ago mike calls me up says hey i got this club called south county uh it, it wasn't really like that smooth it was more like hey dave you like me right yeah you like hanging out with me yeah like yeah i do would you like to spend more time with me i mean sure how about you come coach at south county which will be like the best thing for you i can't wait not to interrupt this interview but i can't wait to have mike on and have harry on and talk about the beginning of south county because that whole story is weird and crazy and 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 then and it's blown up now it's you know it's arguably the top volleyball club in Rhode Island uh, for yeah. both girls and boys and and certainly the, the beginnings of that is is really strange but it's it's a hell of a story <laughs> I know and like it could have been completely shifted in a different way sure, man. sure. if you get so that you interview, go- I'll let him explain that so yeah so where'd you go to school college so I went to Western New England College in Springfield Mass for two years yep. um, and ended up not really liking you know what I was doing. I was an accounting major at the time. And like with this, this is not an accountant. You know what I mean? Like you need to be out in the public eye. So uh, <laughs> of course I've always volunteered for special Olympics since right. I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I loved working with that population of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so after my sophomore year, I went to my parents and I said, you know what? I don't really want to be an accountant anymore. I want to be a special ed teacher. Mm. So I went to Rhode Island college transferred there. And then got my degree there as a special educator and elementary educator. So I became a teacher from that. So very cool. Very cool. And then post-college started talking with Harry. And next thing you know, you're a coach in club. Uh, How long you been with South County? I think this is my sixth year, sixth or seventh. Yeah. 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 And then when did you enter the high school ranks? So I've coached other sports besides, uh, Besides volleyball. So I, I've coached middle school girls basketball for like eight years. I coached at the middle school that I was teaching at. I've coached soccer before, too. I also coached at the middle school um, for that. So I like the teaching and coaching aspect of things like teaching and coaching, I think, really go hand in hand with what you're trying to do, because you are coaching the kids how to learn different things sure, sure. Um, in different ways. So, you know, volleyball kind of happened where I started working at South County, but I was still not quite coaching volleyball at Cumberland because they had an assistant coach, they had a coach. So like, why did I need to really like step in? Right. But 
there was one point, um, you know, at Cumberland High School where uh, Ruth Plant, who was the head coach at the time, um, she goes, hey, Dave, like, I've heard about you before. Like, would you be able to help us out with this tournament that we have going on? We have a school from a Catholic school coming in that plays our teams. And we have our varsity, our JV, and we actually put together like a little bit of a freshman team just to kind of play. Can you be one of the coaches for the thing? I'm like, sure, that's no problem. So I come in and I kind of do that. Um, you know, and then like maybe a year or two later, I was coaching soccer at the middle school. We'd done well. But uh, Ruth had said, hey, my assistant coach left. I need a new assistant coach. Can you hop in? I said, sure, I'll do that. So I had the background in South County already. Some of the girls on Cumberland knew who I was. Um, so it was just kind of easy step in. And she only did it for one more year when I was there because she was planning on retiring. But she wanted to feel like it was left in good hands. And then, you know, sure. so I took over after that. But she's back in the mix now, right? She's at Wooden Socket. Socket, yeah. She's yeah. always talking with Socket. So she's yeah. been coaching for a God, 40 something. Yeah, she's been for around forever. But uh, I, I ran into her. I was refereeing a Winsocket game and I was like, hey, aren't you a Cumberland person? <laughs> she's like, not anymore. I said, oh, all right, very good. Yeah. I think she did it for like eight years in Cumberland. Yeah. But I've done like many, many years in Winsocket in different spots. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. 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 So that leads to my next question. I mean, you have this club background of coaching you've been doing it for a little bit and now you've done some high school stuff uh mm -hmm. compare both of them like what are the what, what do you like better what what's what what are what's challenging for both of them you know bring me to speed on how you feel because you're in two different worlds there i think it's i don't think one's better than the other for me i like them all i like them both but for different reasons mm. um, as i look at them you know for high school for me the piece that I like, I like the ownership of the program. You know what I mean? Like it's the program that I'm trying to build and the people that I want to be there and all that stuff too. Um, you know, so the girls that I have are like the sweetest girls, you know I mean? Like they're, they really work hard. They want to improve. They have that hunger for it, but you feel like you have that kind of like personal relationship where you're seeing them grow as like athletes and as, you know, students and all that stuff too, which is nice. Um, mm. And I think for me, like one of the pieces, because I used to be an assistant over at North Kingstown, like back in like 2008, 2009 range, there's nothing cooler than a Friday night game and you got the music warming up and everybody's getting ready to go. And like, you know, you see the students come in to come watch you play. Like mm -hmm. that's that's a cool vibe, like just sure. to have that like on a game night or whatever. So that's something that I've always like enjoyed. Um, and like, you know, the, the process of like building onto something and having those kids for four years and seeing them build and like grow, like I think the process is the big piece for me. Like you're not expecting them to be like pros right away. You're expecting them to learn and grow as they go through it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of club, <clears throat> I like the camaraderie that we have within like South County. And I don't know if that's everywhere, but I really like it with South County. I think the coaches, you know, really get along and really want to like learn from each other and like bounce ideas back and forth. And, you know, a bunch of the guys I've known for years, you know, I mean, like one of them, like Chris Batsinger, we've known, I've known Chris for close to 30 years. Like we've grown up together and stuff too. I've known Harry for, you know, 17, 18 years and some of these other guys for a long time. So I like the camaraderie of that. I like the family atmosphere that it has, you know, with the kids and the kids seem to really enjoy it too. And being able to, I think the cool part for me is when you coach some of them in high school, uh, in club, and then you play against them in high school and they had that like little banter and that little competitiveness that they want going on. Mm -hmm. Like, that's really cool. Like you see them, they're like, Oh, we're going to get you today. Dave. I'll be like, no shot. 
I know your weaknesses. I'm coming after you. And they'll like come back to me. They'll be like, oh yeah, I know what you want to do in this situation. I'll be like, all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I like that you talked about the environment for the yep. high school games. Like those are some of the things that really can be just a wonderful experience. You know, mm. uh, the, the stands are packed. You got music going, you know, Love it's it. a big rivalry game. That's some of the things that uh, certainly I miss, uh, you know, when I, I mean, I was a high school coach briefly, but, you know, missed it mm-hmm. in the college ranks as well. Uh, but, uh, but that's, uh, I like that aspect of it and the club style. I mean, that's the closest I'm going to be to high school. I, I don't foresee myself ever really picking up a high school program again. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do like the idea of, um, you know, taking, I like building a roster. Like I like building a right. team that's going to compete at the highest level and so at the club level, it's the closest I get to the college level where I get to sort of pick and choose, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the help from Harry and Batsinger and some of the other guys, you know, Hey, I would like to make my team this way. I need these specific kids. Can we make that happen? Um, yeah. to, for allow us to compete. Cause I, you know, I do the 18 ones where it's, it, it is as close as you can get to college, uh, and wins matter a little bit, but, uh, but I, yeah, those are the, I, I like the way you describe both of them. Now give me some of the pitfalls of both of those areas, things that are challenging. Um, well, I think a piece of like, I've been lucky enough to coach some of our stronger teams in the past. So I think one of the pitfalls that high school may have is which can be a positive and a negative is that they come in very new. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of kids like with volleyball, um, volleyball is not their primary sport or usually their first sport. Yeah. Usually soccer, softball, especially for like the girls range for boys. It's like basketball and maybe some soccer, but you know, it kind of depends on the situation. So like you're trying to teach them a new sport and trying to connect as best as possible for me, having the basketball background, like it helps in some ways to kind of use some basketball terminology in some ways. Like for example, if a kid's running a slide, I'd be like, when you're jumping on your slide, like jump, like you're taking a layup, you know what I mean? Like finish off like that and kind of use, you know, that kind of footwork to help them out. But it can be tough when you can see like, all right, let's get going. We got to like put some of this together, but, you know, after doing it for multiple years, you realize that, you know, freshmen are pretty raw and are really like learning the game. But then when you see them come back their sophomore year, if they go out and play club and kind of get into it, they're completely different. Like they're a completely different person. It's really cool to see that, but that can be tough at times when you're trying to like get going with a young group. Um, you know, with, with doing AAU stuff and our club, I don't know. There's not really many pitfalls. I think like sometimes if everybody can attend on time, because I know like, you know, attendance is a huge key. If you can get your team together and doing all their thing, it's, it's a big thing. But you know, a lot of times, especially when it happens during like the springtime, you have February break, you have April break, like kids are going out on vacations and doing things like, you know, the primary is usually their high school team and they'll make sure that they're attending all practices because there is like consequences for that and all that stuff too. You know, with club, it's a little bit different. Like they're paying to play, so they're they should be playing. You know what I mean? Um, even if they don't attend certain things, I've had the luxury where my team has been very good this year with attendance, mm. and I think that's helped us improve and do really well. I'm coaching uh, 15 blue for South County this year, mm-hmm. and they're great. It's they're just a great bunch of girls that work really hard, have that hunger. They're like freshmen, so they're really hungry to like learn and get better and improve, and you know, hopefully make a good push on their varsity teams this coming year. It's funny you bring up the difference uh, in terms of importance to the athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a lot of states, uh, and I can even argue 
some of the bigger ones, like there's pockets of California, certainly pockets of Illinois. Um, New York is can be like this mm-hmm. as well, where the club matters more than the yeah. high school season. Whereas here, it's sort of the reverse. In Rhode Island, it's, you know, the, 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 the club is fun, but, you know, the high school is really important to them, um, which, again, it, it can be interesting because I think one of the pitfalls of high school, and I think you danced around it a little bit, is the idea that you're going to get what you're going to get every year like you have no choice in the matter and and actually you have to sort of become a a clever coach in a way because you might have different talent levels from year to year you might have a group of kids that uh, have been trained pretty well and love the game and and all right so now we got something then two years from now you might have a group of kids that barely know how to play and they're starting from scratch and they got to sort of figure out how so how you know your system that you're going to utilize in competition is going to be different with the team that sort of knows how to play already versus the team that barely knows what's going on and and how do you still remain competitive yeah timing can be like a crazy thing with that too so like an example that i have so i have uh with cumberland my junior class soon to be senior class is a strong class for me and like Mm -hmm. you know has been a really good push and there's a lot of them too so their freshman year was the covid year Mm. So what had happened was, you know, I have a bunch of these girls coming in there and they're like, oh, we want to play volleyball, all that stuff. But COVID happens. So they're saying, like, we're not having a fall season right now, but you're allowed to practice and kind of do some things as long as you hit these parameters. So I had the luxury of having, you know, the outdoor nets. So we went out into the field three times a week for an hour. I just trained the girls. And this is everybody like this is any girl I wanted to try out. You know what I mean? Um. So, yeah, so they did that, and we went all the way up till November 15th, the day we were allowed to go till. And at that point, the club was going to start. So I talked to a bunch of my girls. I'm like, hey, if you really want to do this, go play club and see what you like. Blast, South County, Envy, whatever you feel like you want to do, mm-hmm. it's going to help you prepare for, like, the high school season. The high school season ended up happening in, like, March, I think. And it only went, like, full of March, full of April, and then it was done. So that was like, they had a club season until that March point. South County had paused their club season from those two months. And then they finished off with like another tournament or two after that. Mm. So I had a freshman class come in that had some background at that point, which was cool. So it kind of changed the trajectory of them and having them, you know, have some background. So now instead of me just like, all right, this is how you pass. This is Mm -hmm. how you set. Like, this is how they had a little bit of background where I could kind of work a little bit faster with them, you know? Yeah, that, that training ahead of time helps a ton. And that's the value, if you're a high school coach, it's the value of having your kids play club because it gets them playing year, almost year-round and, and it sort of accelerates what you need to work on. Uh, you also touched on some of the things that can be tough with club, and I think the number one thing you mentioned is that they're paying to be there. So mm-hmm. you might have a roster of you know, 12, 13 kids. you got to figure out a way to get them on the floor at some point every match if not every tournament so Mm -hmm. that you know it's worthwhile for them which becomes frustrating uh certainly if you're trying to win uh and not that you can't do it it just makes it challenging because at least in my experience more often than not you go maybe eight deep (laughs) you know you have your your starting six you have your lib and then you maybe have a guy or girl off the bench that helps you do whatever 
Um, you know, maybe it's a sub for the, you know, for an attacker or a serve specialist, or you need a, a pass yeah. here, you know, and you have that second, third, maybe even fourth person that you look to and go, okay, these are my backups for what I need, but you might still have three more people that you need to get in the game somehow. Right. And that's very challenging, you know, and to not let the level drop and, and certainly, uh, not, you know, not change the the mood and the and the and the motivation and the vibe of the match because it may not be a level drop per se it may not be like all right well we're putting this person in and the level goes in the toilet that's probably actually more often than not that's not the case but the vibe of the match changes like it just something's different now and everyone's adjusting to that difference and it it takes a second or two and in a second or two is four or five points and that could be the match (laughs) so it's challenging the funny thing you think about that too is like you know South County does a good job of keeping it to about ten, you yep. know, nine yep. or ten per team, which is very, very good. But I've seen clubs that don't play girls. Like they yeah. have like thirteen kids on their thing and they don't play certain girls. So like that makes it tough. But like you were saying with the whole like, you know, the vibe that's going on, it can change drastically. And especially with the girls' game, I noticed that momentum is a huge thing. Like momentum is huge in any in any volleyball game, men yeah. or women. Yep. And I don't have as much experience with the guys. Like I've had some. You know what I mean. Yeah. But like, but with the girls, I can see like if they start to feel like anxious or nervous, boom, go attack that. You know what I mean? Like that's something that you can you can reel off five or six points and the set's done. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're kind of oh yeah at that point. Oh yeah, and if you're talking about two high level teams in you know in a in a really high energized expertise level game, hmm. two points is it? Like that's the difference. So yep. you make a sub, and that that first pass that player sees because they've been on the they have been on the bench the entire time, and they and they shank it. That could be the match. And so like it's really yeah. challenging when you're in that sort of environment, you know. And, and again, understanding what the players have done to be there, you know. There's a there's a, a financial component that they've put up. There's a time component that they've put up. So you have to respect that in the club level more than you have to do in the high school level because the high school level. You know, everyone's there on their own, you know, free will. There's no money involved. You've made the team. You're, you're, you're again. You as a coach, you have to you have to change the the uh, mindset. Hey, we're we're a team. We're a family. You know, you're invested in here. You make us better. We need you every day. Uh, there's not a financial component, and and but you but because there's not that financial component, you can be a little bit more directed on how we're going to win this match, and it might not include you. You know, that type of thing. Interesting stuff, man. So talk about, uh, this is one of my favorite questions in my interviews, you know, talk about some of the crazier moments you've had as a coach. Give me a a crazy moment that, you know, and this, in this moment, this question really was inspired by a question I gave to Nancy Samara Mm -hmm. years ago when I was doing a a podcast for Johnson and Wales. I asked sort of, you know, I was doing this interview with her, and I was really excited because Nancy's tip top. She's one of the best. Yeah, she's awesome. And and uh, and I was like, Nancy, give me a crazy moment. It just came into my head. I was like, give me a crazy moment. And she talked about how, you know, one time one of her teams at the division one level for college, you know, they were playing somebody and, uh, you know, set went to the outside, the attacker attacked her blocker, you know, put up a block and the ball hit her finger and broke it. Like just absolutely broke her finger, right? And and on one of the worst ones you can have, a compound fracture opens up blood everywhere, that type of thing on the finger. And all the referees and the lines people had no touch. And, <laughs> and, she, and she was like, 
her finger is broken and bleeding everywhere. There was a touch. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, nope, no touch. Did happen. I thought that was the. I thought that was an awesome story. And I hate that I told it here because when I interview Nancy, I'm going to have her tell it again. But she'll tell it way better than I will. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I don't know if I can think of like a crazy like story. I can think of like good wins, but that's another question. I, What's your best win? What's your I'll worst get to defeat? that. All right, I'll get to that one next. So. Yeah. I think like crazy moments is when something actually works in your favor for me. And like, I planned it out like a, like a ways away. So during the COVID year we were playing and um, you know, we're in division one and everybody's making the playoffs at this point. You know yeah. I mean? So, you know, at that time we were one and seven, we weren't doing so hot, but so was East Greenwich. And so was uh, East province at the time. And we were looking at that eight, nine, 10 seats. Like that's kind of like where we're trying to figure it out. So we go in on a Friday night to go play East Greenwich at 1-7 with the assumption that we're going to be playing East Providence the next night, uh, next day at their place. And it was like a reschedule because, like, you know, you can't get games in because they had a COVID outbreak there and then they were fine and then they're not fine. And then it's crazy. Right, yeah. Oh, don't, don't even get me started on the COVID era. Ugh, totally get it. So, so the coaches, they're like on uh, East Greenwich, they go, why are you playing tomorrow? I said, because I'm not putting all my, like, eggs in this basket right now because if we lose we're the 10 seed and at that time the seven seed was south kingstown and if you remember south kingstown made it to the finals that year after yeah, having like a mediocre yeah. run and then like they just turned it on at the end yep so we end up losing against east greenwich and i'm like oh, all right so now we're one and eight east greenwich is two and seven and ep is one and seven so they're ahead of us a little bit you know what i mean so I'm like, I got to change up the lineup. I got to do something to make this like happen. So I was like, forget it. Like I've had these kids that have, some have had some like not so great attitudes. So I made the switch mm -hmm. and uh, we play East Providence and beat them on Saturday, which is great. Now we're the eight, uh, now we're the nine seed and we're going to go back to East Greenwich and play them two days later. <laughs> so we play, East, we play East Greenwich on the Monday and I made some shifts in my lineup I put this girl to from the middle to the right side. I put up a big block. I moved this girl to the middle so she could be a bigger block and more offensive. And I put this girl all the way around who hadn't been playing all the way around. And we lose the first set like 26-24. And I'm like, ugh, all right. I think we're fine, though. Yeah, 26-24 means you're right there. We're right there. And I'm like, I'm not worried right at this point. Now it's 8-8 eight, eight in the second set. And I blink, and we're up 19-8. We go on a run. And then we beat <laughs> them like... You know, 25, 12, 25, 14 of the next two sets. And I'm like, yeah. All right. That's kind of like, did not expect that to happen, but it was like, <laughs> it was the turning point for like our group. You know, we played NK the next day and got smoked because that was like the stacked group of like all these girls that played college and all that stuff too. Like, sure. Sure. you know, just a crazy group of. Oh, NK is, NK is RI royalty volleyball. So, I mean, they, <laughs> they just keep, oh, yeah. it's like a, it's like a never ending cycle with that group. So, but, yeah. uh, all right, so that's, that's your... a pretty crazy moment. I mean, yeah. another one would be coaching. Uh, I coached the 16 twos a few years ago, um, and we played the 16 ones in a semifinal and beat them. Nice, that was pretty crazy. Oh, for yeah, us. that's a good fun, that's a fun one. So, so let's pivot, one. let's pivot to your best win and your most worst defeat. I guess, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that verbiage is correct. Your worst your defeat, hardest defeat. Easy. Yeah. Best one might be that that win right there, you know, yeah. like coaching the, uh, you know, 16 twos and being the 16 ones. Uh, also coaching my team, the 15 blues and beating, you know, 16 gold, which was the R2s team mm -hmm. um, in a tournament in a semifinal. 
Um, trying to think of like other ones that were really good. You know, the eventual many years from now winning the state championship, which is coming, you know, like one of, oh, those. of course. Yeah. The future, yeah, yeah, we can predict the future in Res V. <laughs> I tell you what, if I could predict the future in Res V, I might actually make some money with this company. That'd be great. <laughs> I'll be like, what are my chances, man? You'll be like, well, if you follow this and this, you're going to be here. Would that be something? You know, my consultation fees would go through the roof if I could promise. I promise if you follow my exact tutelage, you're going to be a state champion on, you know, December 2029. (laughs) Listen, I want to see that cheesy social media post. Not the social media post, but the commercial things like the ads. Yeah. I want to see yours out there and it'll be like, I'll scroll through. It'll be like, Oh, cool basketball thing. Cool sports thing. Cool cooking thing. And all of a sudden it's like, do you want to learn how to win a state championship? <laughs> <laughs> well, just... One of the things I used to tease, and I'm sure I t- I've done it with you is that if you look at my college career, I made a habit of finishing third. Like I was always third, you know, like I would, I would get to the semifinals and then I'd lose to Wentworth or I'd lose to Riviera or I lose. Yeah. And I would always finish third. So like that sort of became the joke, you know, when I was talking with guys like Garrett Buckland and uh, and and Ben Lind and uh, Jack Pincense and all those dudes, you know, you know, if you want to finish third, you should you should study the Res V way. <laughs> Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not good looking enough. Uh, but what's give me a, a a terrible defeat, something that tore your heart out. So the first year that I coached Cumberland, uh, we did not do well. A lot of the girls. You know, you know, Ruth had really put her stuff into the girls that were seniors at that yeah, point. Yeah. And once they left, I kind of had to work with what I had. And a lot of those girls didn't have a lot of experience. So we, you know, one of the things that had happened, only like maybe two girls played club beyond high school season. At the point when I started, after I had coached, I'm getting like, you know, 16, 17, 18, even 20 girls at times have played club that have played with me at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um but we go one in 15 my first year coaching and we get to senior night and we're playing not a great team. I forget what the team was, but we're up 14 to nine in set five. Oh, I know where this is going. Oh, that's a, I can feel it already. Senior uh, night, our uh, senior night, 14 yuck. to 14 to nine. Yuck. Proceed to lose 16 to 14. Oh, 16. You didn't score another point after 14 9? score another point. Yikes. Yikes. And yeah, you're watching it happen. And once, like, honestly, once they got to point 12, you're like, yep, we're not going to win. Yep. <laughs> well, it's funny. Game. It's funny you bring that up because I was going to lead into that. As a coach, if you've, if you're, if you've coached volleyball long enough, and mm-hmm. I would say optimally over seven years, uh, but, but if you've coached volleyball long enough, you can actually pinpoint the exact moment when you're going to win a match and when you're going to lose a match. Yeah. Like you're just like, yep, we're done. <laughs> and then you're like, nope, well, we got and this. And I've had those moments. The The best moments when you feel like you're going to win is when you've actually lost the first set. Oh, yeah. Like I had it this past year, like, well, that EG game. But also, like, we played Westerly in the playoffs and we lost the first set 26-24. I'm like, I'm, we're good. Yeah. I'm not worried about this right now. Well, we this year, you know, 18-1s, we were in – um, we were – you know, we had done well all season and we're in Boston and, you know, we have a tough loss to a team that we just couldn't figure out, but everyone, every other match we've won pretty handily, but for the, for the gold bracket, we got a terrible draw. We ended up playing the top team in the, in the, in the thing. And they're real good. Like it was a 17s ACAD team that does 
their 17s is like what we do with our 18s. Like they put mm. all their top players in one team and then they try to go for it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we do at South County with 18 ones. Mm. Um, so we, we get these guys and, 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 you know, I, I used to work at NCSA. I was there for a year as their men's volleyball expert. And a lot, you know, I recognize a ton of them cause I work with them. <laughs> like I work with these guys yeah. and I'm like, all right, we're, this is going to be hard for us. This is not going to be an easy match. And they blow us out of the water in set one. So set two, which has sort of been our thing. Like we struggle in set one and then set two, we make adjustments and figure it out. And then set three, we either win or lose. And that's how we win the match. So I'm not worried. We lose set one. Fine. Set two, we're right there with them. I think we're in 18s land, right? 18, 18, 17, 18, Mm -hmm. something like that. And their top server, who's a monster, who's going to play big boy volleyball at the college level, is up to serve. And he rips a rocket. And our libero passes a dime. And it's right to target. Setter sets the ball to our to one of our pins, and he hits it out of bounds. <laughs> he goes down the line, and he hits it out of bounds by a foot. Like, he just misses by a foot. Mm-hmm. And I turn to Ben Lind, who is sitting there, and I go, we just lost the match. Because we needed to break that kid there. We needed to have yep. that side out happen. And it didn't. And the kid went off for three more yeah. or four more yeah. aces. And the difference between, you know, 19, 18 or 18 all and 23, 18 is huge. And yeah. and it's that moment. And, of course, I used both my timeouts right away. I tried to do everything I could to, yep. <laughs> to make that kid uncomfortable, but it didn't matter. He blitzed us and that, and we lost, you know, two sets to no. Um, and, and in the club world, you only play best of three. So, right. um, you know, it, it's, it, it's funny. You, as you go through these matches, you can recognize, you know, and then quite frankly, just to, just to do the opposite hmm. when we were in Mohegan and we won that, that major, which was a huge accomplishment for the 18 ones club here. Um, you know, we're playing in the final and, their big boy rips a ball, just absolutely rips a ball. And our libero digs it, but it goes over the net and into position one. And they were covering, so there was nobody there. Mm. And it just drops for a big point. And again, I turned to whoever was, I think Jack Vincent was sitting on the bench that time. I said, dude, we just won this championship. And, you know, there's still plenty to go. But when that type of moment happens in that biggest right. situation, it's like, dude, that everything's riding our way. And then I think we win the whole thing on they set their right side, who is also pretty darn good, and our left side hooded him one on one, which doesn't happen very often. Usually one on one, the advantage goes with the hitter, and he just absolutely destroyed him on the block, and that's how we won it. And it was just that type of day, like we were going to win that match. So it's funny how you just go through it and you learn it, and, and you can recognize those moments, like oh, we're going to win this, oh, we're going to lose this. <laughs> I think the big thing is usually those servers too. Um, you know, they talk about like the different servers and if you see one that's good and she like puts it into the net on the first one, you're like, Oh, thank God. Like, yeah. thank God that that ball went into that. I think the other one that's kind of crazy. Um, and like Harry always talks about like all these big wins that he's had. Um, he talked about one where he was playing North Kingstown and this was a few years ago. And, you know, they set it to the outside who is someone that we know really well. And the first ball that he takes is he tips it. He tips yep. and he scores. Yep. And like goes, we're good. We're going to win. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Like he just knew like in that moment, I was like, Harry, you really knew that you were going to win? Yeah. If he's, if he's going to be tipping this early, we're already in his head. Oh, it's what, 
if you caught one of my videos and you know they're world famous already but if you if you caught the most recent one about very tips, viral yeah, very viral. <laughs> you know, talk about tips. One of the things is that, you know, if you're tipping on my team, I'm loving it because that means I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to run offense down your throat. That's the exact verbiage I used because it, men's volleyball, especially, it's not a tipping game. Like, you know, tips and rolls happen sort of strategically, but more often than not, you're bringing heat. So if you're not going to challenge, bring heat. Oh, man, I'm going to take that all day and I'm going to score it well. So that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, that's a big piece that I think about too. And I, I know you've said that a lot. I know Mike said that a lot too. Like for my girls, I want to make sure that they feel like they're empowered and they should be okay with making errors and like learning from them. You know what I mean? So like I tell them, I said, rip away, like find your rhythm, like swing. I'd rather you swing and try to, you know, be aggressive on these certain things because that's what we're going to need in like these big moments. And those are going to be the things that could put us over the top. Like, especially early on in the season, like the wins and losses matter somewhat, but like it's that learning process. I'd rather be a team that's like hitting our peak, yeah. you know, coming near playoff time and instead of being like, well, we haven't really swung at all this year. So how, how do you want me to, it's like, no, no, no. We've put ourselves in these situations to like learn and get better and like use them. So it can help us around that playoff time when we're making that push to like, you know, become better. Well, I'll give you a story. I was at uh Wentworth uh, mm-hmm. probably the beginning of the season. Right. So I, one of the things that I do and, and really am grateful that I get the opportunity to is I'm the broadcaster for most of the men's volleyball yeah. uh, games at Wentworth. Uh, you know, Evan is a buddy of mine. And once, you know, Jay Woo folded and, and you know, he really wanted to keep me around. So it was pretty cool. I, you know, I, again, super appreciative of it. Yeah. And so I'm at Wentworth. They're playing MIT. And I, I know I do happen to know a lot of people and still in the coaching world at the men's volleyball level. So I go, yeah. you know, I go. I go say hi to the MIT coach, Todd. And I was like, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, I saw that you had a tough loss against a team that you shouldn't lose to, right? And he goes, listen, Rez, for the first time in my life, I am going to do it exactly how I want to do it in the sense of I'm not going to waste. And he said waste, which I thought was interesting. I'm not going to waste my starters on a team that is not going to help us win a championship in our conference. So, you know, the, the team that they lost to that they probably shouldn't have was out of conference. So they weren't involved in any conference situation. It can hurt your regional ranking, certainly. But at the end of the day, that was not important to Todd. What he wanted to do is be a factor in the UBC. So he had some real tough losses because he would just let his backups and his, you know, lower bench guys, brand new guys generally, uh, play those matches. And they would win or lose depending on whatever happened. Mm-hmm. And and MIT has made made a legitimate run this year, and they were ranked in the in, you know top twenty five in the nation, uh, yeah. because you know yeah. they would play. He was resting and really strategically using his starters for only matches that mattered, which which again yeah. I thought was fascinating. It was all about prep. It's really what you're talking about at the college level, not at the high yeah. school level. It's like hey, we're it's, gonna it's good in it, two ways. Yeah, and in and in and in the consequence or the uh, production of that also is that your backups and your in your back end guys are getting reps. Yeah. They're getting yeah. prep. They're getting prep for when it's their term later on. So uh, really, uh, kudos to Todd. I thought he did a nice job there. That's the part I was thinking too. Is like you know those guys that normally wouldn't get playing time instead of like not having them rot, but like having them sit on the bench and 
you know, I, I feel like a big way to learn is by playing a lot of times, you know, I mean, like you can kind of work through your own things. Like you can see certain stuff on the bench, but like until you're in that moment and you're feeling like that pressure, you're feeling that like anxiety or whatever, you may be feeling that confidence, like to learn to work through that is like a big thing. And like, as a teacher for me, like that's a huge piece for me with my kids. Like, I don't expect all my kids to get like straight A's, you know what I mean? Like I'm here to help them with certain things, but I want them to be able to, I tell them, I said, I want you guys to feel these moments where you're unsure, anxious or anything like that, because beyond this, when you get into the real world, you're going to have these moments and like, yeah. I'm not going to be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like your parents aren't always going to be there. Like you got to be able to learn and to, you know, figure out how to break it down and figure it out yourself a little bit, but it, it definitely coincides with volleyball too. Like if you're bench guys who don't normally play, you know, most bench guys on most teams don't play, but at least these guys are getting reps into some matches that, you know, could help them in the long run. Cool. So let's go to a couple of questions here that I like to ask as well. Uh, okay. First is um, what is something you think every coach should know that perhaps they do not? Okay. I think the big piece that every coach should know, and, you know, you and I had kind of talked recently about this too. They have to understand, like, as a student and as a person, you should be a lifelong learner. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the luxuries that I've had, that each year that I go into coaching, I feel like, wow, I've actually got something new or something better than what I had before. Like, I think I'm a better coach today than I was a year ago. I think a year ago, I was a better coach than I was the year before that. Like, having that ability to be open to learning new things and wanting to learn new things, yeah, I think it's something that a lot of coaches need to have. And I think that's a really big thing. I know some you know, sometimes the ego gets in the way a little bit and like kind of being like, you know, a little too cocky or whatever. But, you know, unless you're winning a championship every single time, even those guys still want to find ways to improve. Uh, like some of the players that I've always looked up to is like Jordan, for example, is like a winner. You know what I mean? Like Kobe was a winner. They just had that cutthroat ability to like want to improve and get better. They're always trying to see how they can get an edge or anything like that. And, you know, I've tried to, find my way to get an edge or try to like see the ways to improve it. If it's hiring a, an assistant coach that I feel like can bring a lot to the table for my program that can also help me learn besides just the girls. If it's finding like college players that want to do some open gyms with some of my players, like all that stuff too. talking to people like you or Mike or Dan, or even like researching other things and reading certain books, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it's always trying to like, make sure that you're a lifelong learner and you want to, you know, be open to new ideas and they may not always work with what your personality is, but like, you know, there are some things that can connect or like little pieces that can connect to make you better as you go through. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, and, and just my personal relation to that situation, you know, I thought I knew a lot when I got into the, uh, the college coaching world. And then I learned very quickly, I didn't know anything. And oh. I, and I had to, to start from the beginning and really start building out what my system was going to be. And, and it took the, took the desire and the, and the, the openness to, you know, really say, Hey, I don't know anything. So I got to start and building what I'm going to do and how I'm going to be effective and what's going to work. And the first thing for me was we have to look like everyone else. And that sounds really rough in a way, you know, cause you, you think individuality, you want to be, but you got to look the part before you can be the part. That's what, sort of what it comes down to. You got to you got to yeah. look the part. So I remember watching Vassar play back, you know, in the old days when they were very very good. And actually, they've come full circle. They're a top team in the country right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, back in the old days when they were very very good, 
you know, they did things, their coach did things and their team did things. And I'd watch and go, we need to do those things as well. I don't exactly know why we need to do those things, but I'm going to find out, but we got to do those things well. And then Mm -hmm. after I got through that phase, then it became, all right, well, I need to be able to create my culture and I need to be able to create my X's and O's system. And, you know, I had some great mentors, you know, I had uh, certainly Nancy Samara. I certainly had, you know, guys that you talked about. Danny Green was a guy that helped a lot. Um, Rick Rowey was another guy that I used to bounce ideas off of. Um, Steve Santanastasio, which I always screw up his name. We just call him Bola because the last name is too, well, yeah. <laughs> too weird. So, you know, but I even the assistance you brought in, the assistants you brought in too, like, you know, Kev Harrington, Brian and Garropy, Brian Garropy, Garropy, like those guys yeah. like have a lot of knowledge too. Yeah. So again, the, the nobody knows how to do it the best. I mean, even Spira at UCLA, he hasn't won in a while, you know? So like, you, you're always got to learn. You always got to keep going. And one of the things about this sport that is really, really cool that not enough high school coaches and certainly not enough college coaches utilize is that people are, a lot of coaches are really open to sharing information. Like Mm. they want you to learn. They want to explain how they see the game and they want to help. I know that's how I feel. We sort of talked about that the other day. I'm here to help any college, any high school coach that wants to know anything. Like that's, I'm here as a resource you know, whether you want to utilize me or not, that's, it's up to you. But I mean, there are so many college coaches and high school coaches that are really open to sharing information. You should utilize it if you have the opportunity. Yeah. I'm going to flip that question now, Dave, what do you think a player should know that maybe doesn't? I think a lot of times what I notice with players now is that a big group of them feel like the work that they put in automatically should have a certain result right away. And I think some of them believe that like, well, I go to every practice, I should be this much better or anything like that. I think a lot of them struggle with understanding what the process is and how like the learning curve happens because there might be a quick learning curve right away and you think it's going to continue in that kind of rate, but it doesn't. Mm. There's always going to be times where it's kind of going up and then you might have a little dip, but then it keeps going up and then you have like a little dip each time. I think a lot of them are expecting a certain reward or like outcome because of this. And it was something that I kind of reiterated to my girls, like, Hey, we weren't good. Like our first few seasons, we can't do what everybody else is doing. If we do that, we're just going to continue to be at the rate that we're at. We need to do more. So, you know, I had said like, Hey, if you're able to do club, do club. If you're able to do like clinics, do clinics. If you're able to come, and do some summer stuff like open gyms and all that stuff too. Like we have to do more than what the other people are doing. You know, I mean, like NK has been prosperous, not only because of great coaching for like, you know, the girls and the boys, but a big chunk of them play outside of, you know, whether it's South County, whether it's playing beach, whether it's playing um, blast, whatever like program that they play for, they find opportunities to play close to the year round. And, you know, I think kids assume that like, they don't, I don't think a lot of them, some do, some do, but most of them don't understand the work that's involved to get to that next level yeah. is not easy. And even then you might not hit that next level, yep. you know? And so like, that's the, that's the piece that I think a lot of them kind of miss out on a little bit. So. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's definitely a piece of the puzzle that players don't recognize uh, because there is sort of this instant gratification that's in our society now. 
you know, I did this, it should happen now. And, you know, there's no recognition that, yeah, well, there's other people better, you know, it's about results. And, you know, if I have somebody on my team, who's going to provide X results, you provide Y, but X is going to get me a win and you're going to get me a draw or a loss. I'm going to go with X. And it's not because of personality has nothing to do with personal situations. It has to do with winning and losing and results and, uh, and things not being at the level yet. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had players go, hey, I've been in your gym for a year and I haven't gotten any better. And I'm like, that's not true. You've actually exceeded what I thought you would be. It just so happens that I have, you know, a first team all conference player in your position. And what right. what is that? What do we do with that? There's not much I can do. You know, play your role and right. beat them in practice. And then if you can beat them in practice, you get on the floor. So it's it's challenging. And I think the culture aspect is so big there. You know, especially the division three level and at the high school level, because they're similar in this aspect where you have to get the players to believe that being a part of this unit, be a part of this group is way more important than your individual success. You know, together, we're going to create something and do something bigger than yourself. And if you can buy into that, you're going to get a lot of joy from the result that we have as a team collectively, not necessarily what you're going to do. Uh, you know, Nancy gave me a great line to use on players that were struggling and really frustrated. You know, we love you because you're, we're a better team when you're in our practice gym. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's, we're a better team when you're here. If you're out, it's, we struggle and we lose and we struggle and we, we, we have issues and it leads to possible losing, Mm -hmm. you know, but their counter would be, well, I don't play. Well, that's not true. You help prep the starters. You help you know, you create an environment in our gym that, that brings all boats up. So, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough thing. And and certainly in a, in a a young kid who's more center focused and a little bit more selfish than certainly you or I in our elderly states and realize what, (laughs) what it's all about. It's hard for a kid to believe that. And, and, you know, if you can, you can buy into it regardless of where your station is and always working to increase your role. But if you can buy in, you're going to have way more of an impactful experience than you will. If you're like, Hey, I'm not playing. And thus we right. stay. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Hmm. All right, Dave, first off, really stoked about the conversation we've had. I think it's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to ask two more questions. You know, my final okay. two questions I'm going to give you an opportunity here for to explain your brand of volleyball. Uh, you know, usually okay. I, I ask that question a little bit higher up, you know, early on in the, in the interview, but I figured I'd leave it to the end. I want to hear your brand of volleyball. And then after that, what's, uh, what's the future look like for Dave to Jesus? All right. So my brand of volleyball is you just roll the balls out there and then you walk away and hope they figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How um, many coaches actually do that? Do you think? I mean, it, it's, it's not great, but however, if you don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> first off, look at Res V and let's get a conversation. Nice. Yeah, right. But secondly, it's been nice walking in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go but ahead. Secondly, if you if you really don't know what you're talking about, you know, it, rolling out the balls and letting them play. That's the uh, that's the quote unquote doctor way to do it. You know, do no harm. <laughs> like here, just yeah, right. <laughs> it's funny when I've under like seen other teams like do their thing, and you look at like how they run their team or whatever. Like at least in matches. And I'll look around, and then like some of my players look at me. They're like, "Dave, thank God that you do more than this. Because if we walked out like this, you you'd murder us." I was like, right. "Yeah, like right. this this is a little rough." They're like, "What do they work on?" I was like, "I don't know." Like, 
it's not it's not for me to say like you know what i mean um you know but like my philosophy is like through the work that you put in i talk a lot about like you know the kids how you know you have to like work hard and even you might not get the results that you want but in the end like you're gonna feel better about yourself as you go through and you know i think a lot of times it's hard to find those kids that are motivated and all that stuff too but you know i want to find the kids that love the process and love like the learning experience and what it can become um because for me like you know i learned later on how to play volleyball like at you know 17 18 years old and it's been a process for me but it wasn't always easy my buddies were always better than me but like i didn't care about that i wanted to compete and i think the competition piece of it and wanting to be competing against yourself competing against others is always something that like can drive somebody to become better um you know I don't really talk about like the X's and O's as like my philosophy. It's more of like, it's the mindset that I want my kids to have. And if I can have that mindset in those kids that want to compete and want to get better and like enjoy being at practice because they know they can work at their craft, like then I can work on those X's and O's and how we do different things and what our strategy can be because I know that I got fighters in there that are ready to like prove something and be like, oh, you got me on this one. I got you on the next one. And that's kind of like the mentality that I want. So I really push the mentality piece of it. That's something that uh, Russ Rose used to talk about a lot in his in his uh, speeches and whatnot that he would give across the country. He's like, mm. give me competitors. Give me people that want to fight. You know, I don't necessarily need to have the best volleyball players at the gate at Penn State, but give me, give me the people that will compete and give me the people that will fight, and I can turn the team into a competitor, which – uh, you know, speaks volumes because he's been one of the, he was one of the most successful women's volleyball coaches ever. So yeah, yeah, I think you're on the right track there. And I do, I do like the idea of focusing on process over results, um, cool. especially early on process is everything. So if you enjoy the process and really are uh, a person that will continue to work at it, good things are going to happen. So mm. yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave, what's the future hold? for me i mean i'm taking it as we go with each thing you know i love coaching and i love teaching so i know that that's always going to be something that's in my life like i don't see that going anywhere um you know i don't see anything big changing with what i'm trying to do but yeah i i'm going to continue coaching and teaching and doing all that stuff too hopefully you know having great kids that i get to coach and you know help them learn or whatever and having good mentors and people that i talk to and hopefully you know if I get to the point where I feel like I have some good information to share with other coaches sharing it and hopefully if they'd like to hear it, cool. If not, you know, that's their choice, but you know, I know a lot of people have helped me. So making sure that it goes full circle is kind of like a cool thing too. You think you dance in the, on the boys side of things? I don't know, man. It, I think timing wise, it's tough when I'm doing everything else too. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't mind like, coaching a boys program at some point but you know at this point we'll see depending on how much i'm doing the other things i mean the summer gig for south county is perfect i love it a lot um coaching south county in general is great too and like i, I love coaching cumberland and the girls that i have there so we'll see if if i don't want to have any time in my life besides volleyball then i'll i'll get 100 percent of the boys too so well i mean you're already close to year round so you might as well finish the Pretty loop much. and uh, yeah. go forward so no, I'll Dave, help out in different ways. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, you know, if an opportunity comes, you never know. And then you could find yourself working with the Coach Reslow. <laughs> you got to get, by the way, you got to give me one of the big Daves. Daves. But you haven't done it all. <laughs> no, I can't. 
Dave, <laughs> this has been a great video. Let's not let's not poison it with that idea. So that would be the best part of it, though. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for coming on my ResV yes, channel. I really appreciate it. Uh, great conversation. Always good talking with you. Stay yep. well, and then all I got to do the YouTube cheesy stuff. If you like the video, subscribe and uh, and like it and share it. Because again, I yep. think these interview situations are awesome. You know, one of the things as I started doing this is that I wanted to get all different types of coaches, all different types of opinions on how to do it. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think already, you know, with Dave, with Steve England, with Ben Lind, with Jamal Diggs, like we we're already getting a lot of good interviews with a lot of good information that I think quite frankly, coaches, players, fans, parents, referees will all enjoy. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, and subscribe, which every time I say it, Oh, I think it's so cheesy. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> it just pops up on the corner. They're like, oh, I hate that? it. I hate it. I hate it. But well, necessary. Come. All right, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Stay well, man. Talk soon. Sounds good, homie. Bye.